0: Welcome to the Gridiron Fantasy Football Podcast today. Uh, Today is Monday, July 27th, 2020. I am Chip. I'm your host and thank you so much for listening. Um, If you're a new listener, you can find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. You can also watch us on YouTube at Gridiron Fantasy Football. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode. And I hope everyone had a good weekend and everyone has a good week. Once again, thank you to all the listeners last week was by far the best week we've had since the podcast had started we more than tripled our numbers from last month and we still have a a week left in july it's been awesome the credit really goes out to all the faithful listeners now i look at all the stats i see where everyone's downloading the podcast from and i see the regulars continuing to download the podcast it's been really awesome to see that so let's keep it going Uh, please share this podcast with your friends and family also, please head over to YouTube and subscribe there as well. So if you want to watch the episode, you can watch it from you know your, your mobile phone or your TV or wherever device that you have. So let's continue to grow this podcast. Y'all have been awesome. So thank you so much for that. So let's jump into some of the news that's going on around the NFL. A big trade happened this weekend. Jamal Adams was traded from the New York Jets to the Seattle Seahawks, and it was a haul of a trade. The Jets got Bradley McDougall and a 2021 first and third round pick, and a 2022 first round pick. Now this is a huge trade. Um, it's something that you hope that you're able to re-sign a guy like this. So the Seahawks gave up a lot to get him. So their their priority has to get this guy locked up. I mean, Jamal Adams was obviously not happy with New York. He made some comments about Adam Gase last week that really, I think, sparked the trade talks to get a little more further down the road. Um, he clearly wasn't happy. So He got traded and I think for the Seattle Seahawks fans, they're all wondering about what's going on with Clowney and with them trading for Adams, it pretty much sums it up that they're not going to get Clowney back. So Clowney's going to be playing elsewhere next year, which is a guy that they traded for last year and it's just interesting to see what the Seahawks end up doing. Uh, I think Clowney's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, I think his price tag tends to still be too high for players or for organizations to be a little more comfortable getting him. But it looks like he's not gonna play in Seattle. I'll be shocked if Seattle has any more money to even uh go after Clowney, but that's probably not the case. So Clowney is more than likely gonna play somewhere else in 2020. Uh now Dalvin Cook has reportedly communicated with the team that he was gonna attend camp. And then news came out today or yesterday on Sunday that the agent is refuting that he's gonna be returning to going to camp and being there on time. So there's a lot of stuff going on with the Dalvin Cook uh situation. Um I hope he's there on time. Uh we don't want another Le'Veon Bell situation where a player holds out and then he misses the whole entire season. We've seen that be, you know, a regular thing now with players just deciding to sit out because of the fact that they want more money. And hopefully hopefully Dalvin Cook is not the next player who sits out the whole season. So hopefully he gets the camp and gets extended um sooner rather than later. Uh this is an interesting one too. Kansas City Chiefs right guard. Laurent uh, Dervinet-Tardif, I hope I said that right, has opted out of the 2021 season. Uh, He's the first player to do so. Uh, He's actually a medical doctor who's been working on the front lines with the COVID-19 pandemic. So he's, you know, like I said, he's the first player to actually opt out of the season. I'm just wondering how many more players will follow suit. Uh, Todd Gurley did mention something last week that if the NFL can't get the protocols and all the things right, that he has no problem sitting out for the 2020 season. So um, now this guy was the first player to do so. So we'll see if that can, that continues to add a trend to some of the things going on in the NFL with the players. Um, This is actually a really feel good story. Uh, Alex Smith has been cleared for all football activity. I mean, this is awesome. You know, he sustained a gruesome ankle injury, you know, a couple years ago and he had to have multiple surgeries to repair in 2018. And, it's just been a great story. It's great to see someone like him just persevere and get through all the issues with the surgery and the rehab and all that stuff. And being a therapist, it's really cool to see uh, athlete just continue to grind and grind and grind to get to the ultimate goal of playing football. Now, I don't know if he actually makes the roster for the Redskins because of what they have there, but um, I'm rooting for him. I hope he gets on a team. And even if it's not with the Redskins, hopefully that he he's able to go play and get back to some sort of NFL capabilities as a quarterback and and contribute to some team if it's not the Redskins. And lastly, the NFL PA and the NFL reached an agreement on CBA changes for the 2020 season to move forward as scheduled. So there will be no delay going forward, which is huge. Training camp is supposed to start on time. Uh, we don't know if we're gonna have a full season just because we have no idea if everything's gonna you know cause too many you know players to get. COVID and all this other stuff, which would cause teams to have to shut down. So hopefully we uh, we see, we're going to see players that get COVID during the season. So we'll, we'll see how that gets monitored. But it looks like as of right now, the season will start on time. So with that, let's get right into my overvalued players for 2020. Now, all this is based on the ECR. So the expert consensus rankings and the average draft position, which is ADP. So this is based on that, so let's jump right into it. Starting off with my quarterbacks, my number one quarterback that I I feel like is overvalued is Kyler Murray. Now, I have him ranked at number three, so I am one of the guys who has ranked him pretty high. Um, His ECR is five. Now, this does sound hypocritical because I am very high on Kyler Murray. However, you're drafting Murray at his highest value, so if you're going into the draft and you know, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson are gone and you're sitting there wanting a quarterback. You know, Kyler Murray is a guy that I think will have a great season. I predict that he's going to have an MVP type season and almost do what Lamar Jackson did last year. There's enough around him for that to happen. However, if you're going after Kyler Murray, and he's one of your targets, you're going to be spending a lot of draft stock on him, which you'll get little in return. Um, it's not the same value that you got with Patrick Mahomes in 2018, and Lamar Jackson last season and um, these are the two last MVP quarterbacks where you drafted them late in drafts and gave you QB1 numbers and MVP MVP type, MVP type numbers which you know Kyler Murray could have that type of potential but you're spending so much more on him so I really think that uh you're you're going to be paying for that type of MVP season if you're drafting with the you know as the third the five like ranking quarterback off the board um well, and, and then with you doing that, well, in essence, take value from the, another position on your roster. So if you decide to go after Kyler Murray really early, well, are you getting him other than, you know, solidifying your your running back position, your receiver position, your flex? Like, who are you drafting besides, you know, if you're drafting Kyler Murray, who are you leaving on the table? So um, it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, I love the offense. Um, I think that the addition to John Andre Hopkins – is a great move. I think that's really going to, you know, ascend his value. However, it may be, you know, it may be wiser to wait in the draft. Let somebody else in your league draft Kyler Murray, and then once you grab somebody like Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz or Tom Brady, now those guys will potentially give you and provide better value. So I would rather go with someone like that. Solidify my depth. Solidify my my starting lineup and grab one of these guys that are going to have good seasons later on. So um, Kyler Murray, to me, I have not ranked high. I just just based on my rankings, but I think that you are drafting him at his highest value. So just look into that and and you know just you know pivot in your draft accordingly. So I'm not saying you shouldn't draft Kyler Murray. You just I just know that you're gonna be giving up another player, you know, on your roster to put him as your you know your starting quarterback. So the second guy that I have is Daniel Jones. Now his ECR is 14. Now I must I must be living under a rock because I don't know why. Daniel Jones is sandwiched between Aaron Rodgers and Ben, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I think I'm missing something because I understand that he had some good games last year. I know he has good weapons around him, but you know, the start of the season this year is pretty tough for him. You know, he plays three tough defenses in Pittsburgh, Chicago, and San Francisco. And also the overall strength of schedule is pretty tough. You know, he, He definitely is someone that you would want to go after in like two quarterback leagues or, you know, super flex leagues. But if I had to choose between Big Ben, Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, who are ranked after Daniel Jones, I'll be taking those three over Daniel Jones. I just think that there's, we know what we get with at least Big Ben. I know he's coming off a UCL injury. I know that's a big issue, but we've seen Big Ben produce in fantasy. Now, Ryan Tannehill had a very efficient year last year. I'm excited to see what, what Ryan Tannehill does with the full season under his belt in the Titans off-season you know, off offense and all that stuff. So um, I do believe that Baker Mayfield has a back you know, bounce-back season. I think that you know I, I'm really high on Baker Mayfield. I really think that you're definitely going to get a lot of value after you know with Baker Mayfield this year. I don't think you're going to get the same value in return with Daniel Jones. I just don't see Daniel Jones giving you that top ten, the top five numbers. Um, I know he's being drafted as the 14th overall quarterback, but I just, I just don't see it. I just don't see how I feel comfortable going with Daniel Jones unless he was a backup or he was one of my, you know, second quarterbacks in a two quarterback leagues and whatnot. But um, I definitely, I definitely don't see why he's drafted or he's ranked so high. Um, for me, it's, it's a little interesting, but you know, it's still only July. Things can change. Um, we're not gonna get a preseason this year. So we're not gonna really see how we progress through the off season, you know, into this season with preseason games. So hopefully, uh, Daniel Jones proves me wrong, but I just think at, at 14 right now, um, that's decent for a one quarterback league ranking. But when it comes to two quarterback leagues, there are going to be people out there who are going to try to find value in that. And I think that, there may be people out there who are trying to grab Daniel Jones as the number one quarterback um and try to bulk you know, bolster up the rest of their other positions at running back or receiver. But um yeah, Daniel Jones is he's a guy that I I even you know, thought about all offseason um as somebody that I'm gonna target. Uh, he's just not a guy that, that I, I just see why um he's ranked where he is. Now going to our the running back position, my number one overvalued running back um is Derek Henry. Now, his ECR is six. Now, I love Derrick Henry as a player, but I feel like his ranking is a bit too high, um, especially in PPR formats. Now, his ranking is not bad in standard because he's not like he's... My concern is he's not... He doesn't catch the ball very often, so he has more value in standard leagues than he does in PPR leagues. But my only concern is, you know, he can be limited in the Titans offense if there's negative game scripts. So if if the Titans are behind... He t- he's gets he gets taken off the field and they put in a pass catching running back. Now, that's that's concerning. If you're drafting a running back that high in your draft, you want to make sure he never comes off the field. And unfortunately, Derrick Henry is one of those players that will come off the field if they're down by too much. Now, I still think he has fancy value. Obviously, I still think he's ranked um, to a point where you it's you want to have Derrick Henry on your team, but. I don't know if he's going to have 16 touchdowns against you, again this year. I think that he'll have double digits, you know, d- double-digit touchdowns. But I don't think he'll have 16. Um, I just think the Titans were very efficient last year, and that may be their catalyst this year. I don't know if they're going to have the same exact, um, you know, success that they did last year. I think obviously when there's more game tape, the defense can, you know, figure out ways to stop Derek Henry, put more people in the box, and make Ryan Tannehill really try to, Um, beat them. So I think that changes a little bit this year. Uh, I do, I am excited though to see what the Titans do with Ryan Tannehill under center from, from game one. Like, I think that that's a huge um, benefit. I think that, you know, with AJ Brown, now you have Johnny Smith coming in as the the starting tight end. I think the offense is going to be pretty interesting to watch. So um, like I said, Henry is definitely more valuable in standard league formats, but if you're in a PPR league, um, I would probably go with someone else other than Henry unless like he's the by far the best option available. But I don't know if you're going to get the same return drafting him so high if you're in PPR leagues. My number two running back that I have that's overvalued is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, he's actually dropped from 14 to 16. Um, I do think the lack of the offseason workouts and no preseason games will definitely hurt his production um, at the beginning of the season. Look, he is the running back the rookie running back to own this year. He couldn't have been drafted in a better situation. However, I think we see more Damian Williams to start the season. The coaches have already came out saying Damian Williams will be an integral part of the offense. Um, now I do think Clyde Edwards is a back half of the season stud. Once he gets more familiar with the offense, as well as improving his pass protection, um, but for me, I'm not drafting Clyde edwards hilaire as my RB one. I think there's too much going on right now with the lack of the off to feel comfortable with that. Now I do see him as a flex option, a flex option, but you know I do still see him taking over as the running back later on in the season. But I don't know if I want to trust the draft stock on picking Clyde edwards hilaire up, and that and that. 14 to 16 range. I'd rather go for other guys that are ranked underneath him like Connor. We know Connor's going to be part of the offense. I would rather have Le'Veon Bell. Um, just a couple guys like that that I would draft over him um, just because there's just that lack of of offseason for him. Now moving on to my wide receivers. Uh, my first overvalued wide receiver that I have for this season is Amari Cooper. Now he was, right now he's a, the ECR is 14 on him. Now, Cooper has been dropping pretty steadily throughout the, the last you know few weeks. He was at nine earlier in the offseason. I think people are starting to realize he is very inconsistent. You know, last year he gave you six games with single-digit PPR points. Now, this is a guy that you drafted as your, your wide receiver one, and you, you drafted him pretty high. So when you draft a guy that high, you expect to have steady, productive, consistent games from him, and he just didn't give you that. So, you know, like, also, most of his fantasy production for last year came in five games. You know, that's not someone I want to draft. That's not someone that I feel conf- you know, confident drafting, especially with Michael Gallup emerging last year. I mean, Gallup played two less games and only scored 34 fewer fantasy points than Amari Cooper. That, that's kind of concerning when you see where, like, last year, Amari Cooper was drafted really high, and I got Michael Gallup off of free agency. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when you have a guy who has two, two wide receivers are on the same team finish almost identically in the same, you know, position, you know, it's it makes you wonder why I should draft Amari, someone like Amari Cooper um, where I can wait and get someone like Michael Gallup and get not too much um, less production. And also, too, uh, you know, they drafted C.D. Lamb. So now you have Cooper... You have Gallup, you got C.D. Lamb, you got Blake Jarwin, you got Zeke. There's a lot of targets, you know, that that are there that are consumed by those players. And I'm just wondering how much Amari Cooper is going to get. You know, unless Amari Cooper is super efficient, I just don't know if he's going to see over 110, 115 targets again this year um, and be consistent. So I think with the targets ultimately being down for Cooper... Cooper's just too risky for me, so I'm not going to draft Cooper. Um, I'm going to go elsewhere with my my choices, unless, obviously, Amari Cooper is by far the best player available at the time that I'm drafting, but I won't feel good about it. Um, you know, it's one of those things where Cooper Cooper has these ebbs and flow of, of production, you know, back when he was with the Raiders, and I just don't know if I see him being that fancy elite guy anymore at receiver. Now, my second guy that I have that's overvalued is Cooper Cup. Um, Cooper Cup is ECR 15. Now, Cup was the wide receiver two over the first eight weeks of the 2019 season, but was wide receiver 30 over the last nine weeks of the season. Now, he does bring you PPR value, right? So he's a guy that you can put in your flex. And, you know, he's a guy that will have those big games for you. However, he just wasn't getting the playing time and the targets in the back half of the season. So looking at his stats from last season, he only had double-digit targets twice after the week nine bye. So if that's the case, that's concerning because you have to think that, you know, Tyler Higbee was emerging last year, Tiger is supposed to be part of the offense, a more integral part of the offense this year, and they still have Robert Woods. Now, if I had to choose between Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, right now they're ranked, you know, back-to-back. I would rather have Woods. I think that Woods gives you better, you know, better consistency. Um, I do think that Cup will give you good fantasy weeks on favorable matchups, but that's a high price to pay for Cooper Cup when there's probably better options out there. But I understand like why they have him ranked there. But it's just one of those things where Cooper Cup for me is a guy that just never it never is too consistent with with his production and it just showed last year where he just pretty much fell you know he just fell off the face of the earth last year at the end of the season so i would i would pivot somewhere else if you can uh next you know in the draft this year now moving on to my tight end position my number one value or overvalued tight end this year is Zach Ertz now this is tough for me to say. I love Zach Ertz. I own Zach Ertz in one of my my 11, you know, 11 player keeper leagues. Um, you, you know, Ertz has been an elite tight end for the last few years, but I think we're going to see a regression. I think we're gonna finally see um, him be kind of that, he's still gonna be a tight end one in, in my opinion, but he's not gonna be that top five, top three elite tight end anymore. I think he, he goes back to like the top, top 10 to 12 uh, tight end position. You know, I know that he's been Carson Wentz's top target. You know, he does get 24% of the target share, but you got Dallas Goddard. You have him getting more involved in the offense. He's been emerging, you know, and then you have the Eagles equipped with the Sean Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey. You have rookie Jalen Rager, and they have a pass catching running back in Miles Sanders. It's almost just like the, the, the opinion I had about Amari Cooper. There's so many targets that need to go around that I just don't see him getting favored in the target share for him to be that elite player anymore. So, um, you know, because last year he got 135 targets. I just don't see him getting that this year. Like I said, I think he ends up being a back-end tight end one. And my second overvalued tight end this year, I have Austin Hooper. Um, Austin Hooper right now is ECR 9, which is very interesting to me. Um, There's a lot of people out there that have him as a tight end one, which honestly, I think this is a bummer because he has so much potential to become a fancy stud. You know, he was the tight end six in PPR formats last year, but he goes to a saturated Browns offense, which when I saw that he, he got signed by the Browns, I was kind of confused. I'm like, why did he decide to go to an already saturated team that already has David Njoku? So um, a very interesting landing spot for him. Now, the fact that the Browns have a saturated offense are also a very, very run heavy offense. And it's really hard to, See Austin Hooper like he was in Atlanta. I just don't see the targets being there. I don't see the touchdowns being there. We may see him start blocking more. I don't know. Like, it's just hard to see where where uh, Hooper fits into the Browns offense. But, you know, I would feel more, you know, I'll feel better about Austin Hooper if he was actually the only tight end on the team, if David Njoku got traded. But, as of right now, we don't see any trade talks happening for David Njoku, so I just don't see Austin Hooper ending the season as a tight end one. Um, you know, interest, interestingly enough, I have both Hooper and Ertz in my eleven team, my eleven player keeper league, and I actually picked up Hooper last year to replace Ertz uh, because of just the aging and Hooper being that emerging tight end, and once he went to the Browns. I'm going to hold on to Ertz for another year and drop Austin Hooper because I can't keep both of the tight ends. So um, I'm going to keep Ertz for one more season. Maybe I'm wrong about Hooper. Maybe they actually have a game plan for him, but it's just hard for him to think that he's going to be a tight end one. So those are my overvalued players for 2020. So my quarterbacks, I have Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones. My running backs, I have Derrick Henry and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. My receivers, I have Amari Cooper and, and Cooper Cup. At my tight end position, I have Zach Ertz and then Austin Hooper. So thank you so much for listening today. Please like, comment, and share you know, this podcast and the YouTube channel with all your friends and your family. Actually, the next episode, I will actually do my first mock draft of the offseason. Um, I will be recording that podcast sometime this week. Uh, Let me do a bonus podcast for the mock draft. And I'll have that posted hopefully by midweek. So don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss another episode. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Gridiron Pod. And on Instagram at Gridiron Fantasy Football. That's it for today. Have a great day. And we'll we'll see you all in the next episode. Take care.